Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please subscribe to the show and please share widely with others. It makes a huge difference indeed. Before we kick things off, a big thanks to our sponsors, Quilt AI. Quilt AI is a mission-first technology company seeking to increase empathy in the world using the internet as a source of knowledge, inspiration, and communication. Quilt AI works on issues including climate change, gender equality, and health across the world. They're headquartered in Singapore with teams in New York, Zurich, London, Delhi, and they believe that the true value of the internet has yet to be seen. The internet has been used to index data, store photos, and conduct e-commerce, but it truly has not yet been used to understand the other. And this is the mission that Quilt AI is on that of converting the internet into a space of understanding and appreciation. So a big heartfelt thanks to our sponsors. Today, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Ashley George, who is the executive director of Charlize Theron Africa Outreach Project. So that's Charlize Theron, the actress and her philanthropic venture. I've known Ashley for, for a few years now. We always uh, have a great time exchanging notes. And today we're going to exchange notes, but we're going to do it on the podcast, which is great. And just so you know, thematically speaking, the work she does is really in investing in young people with the lens of HIV AIDS prevention. And geographically, they're focused on Sub-Saharan Africa, mainly South Africa, that is um, Charlize's home country. So without further ado, Ashley, a big welcome onto the Do One Better podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Ah, it's a pleasure. And I know it's early in the morning out there in the West Coast. Uh, so uh, thank you for making the time while you're probably having a, uh, a healthy dose of coffee. Let's start off by finding out a little bit about the uh, Charlize Theron Africa Outreach Project. It's a bit of a mouthful, but uh, here we go. It is. It's a, it's a long name. Um, I might call it CTAOP, which is even that is mouthful, but we'll get there. Um, so we started in 2007. Charlize founded the organization. Like you said, she's South African. Her heart is very much still with her country, wanted to do something um, that gave back. And and she got involved with a project that was a mobile health unit that worked in KwaZulu-Natal and it was focused around uh, adolescents and uh, you know high school age youth mm-hmm. and providing sexual and reproductive health for them via this mobile health unit that would service young like high schools and along with the unit it also had this mobile computer lab that would travel with it and and be able to provide like basic computer skills so they had this sort of hook to to draw in young people um, and then also be able to get them you know, accurate health information. Um, and, you know, should any of the, they provided testing and should any of the young people be HIV positive, they were able to link them to um, medication and, and help them get access to whatever health service they need. So it was really that project that got her connected to this age group of 10 to 20 year olds and thinking a lot about the HIV epidemic in South Africa, which uh, for those of you who don't know, South Africa still has the highest number of people living with HIV in the world. It's a country that is 1% of the world's population, but it's 20% of the world's HIV-positive population. So it's very much still an mm. issue in South Africa. Um, 
And so she decided I want to focus, you know, she wanted to focus her efforts, focus the foundation's efforts on trying to help young people stay safe from HIV. But like you said, Alberto, it's it's much more, you know, it's about an investment in the whole person. Um, it's not just about simply health in this silo. It's about uh, safe spaces. It's about understanding stigma. It's about uh, do they have tools and skills and access? So it's it's much more than just, um, you know, here's some information. Have a great day. Keep yourself safe. Sure, sure. And tell me, since the uh, since 2007, the outset, uh, how, how have things grown and how has your thinking evolved as well? Yeah, uh, great question. So in 2007, really, she was working, we were working with one that one organization. And since then, we've expanded out our network of program partners. So our approach is to find extraordinary organizations on the ground um, and then use our resources and our unique network and platform to be able to amplify their work. So right now we have 13 different program partners. 10 of them are in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, many of them we've worked with for years and years. And uh, that's part of our approach is to develop these long-term relationships where we really walk the walk together and we're on this journey together as true partners to try and help young people. Um, so it's not a you know one and done kind of grant situation and um it's you know for us it's it, it very much in line with the values and the type of the type of relationships we're trying to cultivate is to really just make sure we're there at every step of the point um for our partners because for a lot of them we're able to provide access to uh, resources and certainly access to a different type of platform um, in terms of amplification than yeah. they would be able to get themselves. That's excellent. That's great you have these long-term partnerships. How do you how do you identify who would be a good partner? How do, how do those come around? Because I'm sure everybody, or maybe not everybody, but I'm sure a lot of people in South Africa would be saying, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a, to, 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 to connect with, uh, with Charlene's Theron's outfit. How, how does that happen? Yeah. Um, so a lot of number of ways, um, a lot of them started, you know, in the early days when we were developing our strategy, what we did is we literally spent a year on the phone or in person calling everyone we know saying, this is where we think we want to focus. Um, we're trying to make a difference within HIV and young people. Who's doing the work on the ground? Who's the best orgs, you know? Um, what do you think it, Charlie should be doing? What do you think that, you know, like a foundation should be doing? Just trying to gather as many opinions on it as possible mm -hmm. and as many, like broaden our spider web network as much as we could. And what we started to find was a lot of the same names were coming up in terms of organizations and in, in, in different areas. And so we, you know, got connected to them and just started those relationships. And through the years, you, you sort of, you could, figure out which ones are values aligned, which ones um, are doing the real work, are really community engaged. And uh, we've been able to come out with, you know, this network of 13, but we're constantly on the lookout for more. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of, it's a lot of word of mouth. You're right. It's if we opened up uh, our applications completely, we would get just swamped. So it's a lot of word of mouth. And then vetting, our vetting process is it intense. Um, it takes, you know, anywhere eight months to a year uh, for for the vetting process to happen. So, 
you know, it's, but for us, it's, it's important because we're in these long-term relationships. So we really want to do a good job and make sure the partnership is right for both sides. Sure. Sure. And how, and I don't know if there is such a thing as the typical partnership. I imagine out of these partnerships, they all might look very different from each other. Uh, but what, what do some of those look like? Are you helping them with uh, capacity building and expertise? Are you helping them with um, increasing the profile, uh, which arguably might be easier to do uh, because of your, your celebrity angle? Yeah, uh, yes and yes to, to both and to all. So uh, all, of, all of the partners receive program grants, um, and that looks different for different partners depending on what their needs are and depending on sort of the concept that they've put forward. And then all have access to apply for capacity building grants from okay. us as well. Um, so once you're a program partner, they can they have access to get capacity building grants. They also have access. Um, we we give small grants to be able to do shared learning. So if they wanted to go visit another program partner, they can they can do that. So we really want our partners to get to know each other right. and, and hopefully share learnings. And so. So yes to capacity building, yes to program grants, and then yes to spotlighting too. We really try, one of the things that we think a lot about is how are we taking the learnings from the ground at the true grassroots level and helping use that information to inform Charlize's advocacy uh, you know, on the global stage. She's a UN messenger of peace. She works with the Global Fund, um, do a lot of work with UNAIDS. And so we try and connect that you can't see my hands, but I'm like drawing a circle. You try and uh -huh. like connect the dots um, that way of information and to really, when she speaks to really come from a place of this is what the program, this is what I'm hearing from our long-term partners. This is what I'm seeing when I do the site visits. So it's not just a sort of high level theoretical, you know, speech. She's, she's talking about these stories um, and her strength, obviously, because of who she is, is a storyteller. So it really, I find she's in that unique position of having the expertise as a storyteller, but also having these like incredibly rich database of knowledge because she's actually doing the work. The foundation's actually doing the work with these partners. So you really know your stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it straightforward connecting those dots? You're motioning to that circle um, mm. On the one hand, thematically, okay, you have that, that HIV AIDS, but they are different organizations. So you have the foundation, you have UN AIDS, you have different outfits. Um, is it always straightforward to connect the dots? No. <laughs> no, I feel like you knew the answer to that question. Um, no, no, it's not. But I feel like that's why it's so critical for us to exist for her mm -hmm. to have a team around her that that works, you know, that we only work on this because um, you really need somebody thinking about it and helping to just like pick up the phone, make the calls, build the relationships so that so that we can, you know, get put put all of it together and, and connect those dots. But yeah. it's not straightforward um, yeah. at all, at all. How did you how did you get into all of this by the way? I mean, I'm sure it's it's sort of like a dream job. You're you're doing good and you're working with uh with an amazing founder and uh and you you get to change people's lives. So, it's sort of the the job that you can't quite uh apply for when you're at university, but if you end up there at some stage in your life, you you probably feel quite quite good about it. How did you uh, tell tell us a little bit about your journey? 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like I, I feel there's no other word but like blessed every day um, to be able to do this job because I just love I love the work. I love the work. I'm excited to wake up. I work all the time because I love it, not because it's a job, you know, or I feel pressure. I just really, really love it. Um, and Charlize is incredible, and it's amazing to be able to work for somebody like that. So I started as you know, I was a, I'm from Northern California, and I went to school in Los Angeles. I was very interested in entertainment in the industry, and I had some connections already and friends in the space. And I also was lucky enough to be able to intern for this incredible costume designer when I was in college. Um, and then after college, I, I moved away, you know, like like so many students, I moved away for a year um, to teach English in Japan because I'm of Japanese descent. And on my way back, I was offered this incredible opportunity to be Charlize's personal assistant because of the connections I had. People were in her world and had recommended me for the position. And everybody was saying, look, if you want to get into entertainment, this is just a great it's a, a great foot in the door and mm-hmm. you'll get to know the business. And I was like, sure. Like I didn't have a job. I was looking to move back to LA. Um, and just really, I really got along with Charlize connected with her on a personal level, on a values level, respect her so much. And not just as an artist, but as a, as a human and you know, how she lives her life. And so we have a great relationship and, um, she started the foundation as you know, when I was still her personal assistant. So I got to see CTOP, all the beginnings Mm. of it. um, And really, you know, I was on the trip where they launched and I just, it really moved me in so many ways. And um, when I was looking to, I was going to, you know, I had been with her for three and a half years and I was looking to, I was thinking my next step, I was thinking of going back to grad school. And she asked if I'd stay on and if I wanted to help her with the foundation and help her try and grow it because she really is passionate about it. And she wanted somebody internal to be able to work on this because prior to me, it was really being run um, by other members of her leadership team, but they weren't fully, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. their sole job. And it was also run uh, in partnership with the Entertainment Industry Foundation, which is still our partner. So I just, you know, I, I, I chalk it up to... Like right place, right time, but then you like show up and you work really freaking hard and um and you're very you stay honest and you know and the opportunity arose for me. So I just very lucky, but also um when the chance came, like proved I wanted it. Yeah. Excellent. And I guess being being there from the early days means that you have the trust and and to some degree the uh, discretion to help shape how things play out. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about CTOP is I feel like we're always shaping how things play out. Like we're a small organization and we're constantly trying to adjust and improve um, based on what our partners are telling us, based on what we're seeing in the world. So, uh, you know, nothing nothing is ever locked in stone forever with us. It's all about like, okay, how can we continue to, um, be better for the partners. Yeah. And what does the team look like? So you mentioned you have a small team. What, how many people are in the uh, in the foundation? Yep. So we have four full-time people. Um, we are very small, but I will say the entertainment industry, which is our 
fiscal sponsor runs all of our back office operations and they are much uh-huh. larger. So that's how our four team members are able to focus where they're able to focus. Um, you have me and then we have Lori Fair Allen, who is our chief program director. You have Jesse Chalitza, who is our team member in based in Durban, and she's our associate program director. And then we have Sabrine Liebling, who is our operations manager, and she really helps keep our, you know, keep the ship moving forward. Yeah. So that's good. You have the, the team itself is very, um, I guess you could say front facing in terms of the activities. Yes. Yes. Front facing, lean and mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. And what are you, what are you really excited about right now? I mean, what is it that, um, keeps you awake, uh, hopefully with, with optimism and anticipation as opposed to, as opposed to fear? Um, mm. what is it that keeps you awake? <laughs> what are you really, um, excited about for, uh, let's, let's discard 2020 to some extent and, 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 <laughs> and look beyond that if we could. Yeah. Excited for, you know, I think for us, we're most excited of just the growth of seeing our network grow, our network of program partners specifically is what I'm referring to is, um, so this year, and I know you said, don't talk about 2020, but I have to just a little bit. We were, we were supposed to, for the very first time this year, hold our first summit, which we had named the Swidler Connection Summit after one of our, um, beloved council members who had, who had sadly passed away last year. So we, we created a gathering, um, of all our program partners and it was supposed to be this August and sadly Mm. we're going to have to push it. But I think we were just looking forward to that so much because seeing the, you know, like we talked about earlier, uh, seeing all these partners that it took us so long to find and that it took us so long to vet. And now it's been so long of building up a friendship and a trust in those relationships, but seeing them all gathered together Mm. and then, hearing them talk to each other and learning from each other and figuring out ways that they can collaborate. Like that's really our dream. And, and I think it just becomes so clear in those moments of why CTOP exists and how this approach is adding value um, because they're all doing incredible work without us, but we can help just take it to the next level. And, and so, and, and honestly, it's also, like that, that hum- seeing those connections, it's just something really human um, mm-hmm. that I've, that we're just really proud of, of like, oh, God, you can't, I don't know, I, not to get like philosophical, but like robots can't do this. You yeah. can't get, you know what I mean? Like we only humans can do this and figure, see those links. And then, and sometimes you can't even see them. And sometimes you just put people in a room and like they organically arise and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, I'm particularly excited about seeing that growth and seeing the growth. We haven't even talked about it. I didn't mention it earlier, but we have a scholarship program called the Youth Leaders Scholarship. Um, and th- that's only in its third year. It's relatively new, but okay. obviously every year we're adding new scholars. And so seeing that um, that that network of young leaders grow is also exciting because the focus for us on that program is really about cultivating change makers um, mm-hmm. and then giving them the opportunity for tertiary education through the scholarship so our program partners on the organization side have the opportunity to nominate young leaders from within their community for full cost um, scholarship which includes you know everything from tuition accommodation books 
uh, stipend for travel, stipend for food. It's, you know, all of it. Because the idea is let's take all of that stress off of this young leader's plate so that they can focus on school and they can focus on being the best change maker they want to be and we know they can be. They already are, but like, let's again take it to the next level um, by pro- putting, yeah, the wraparound support. So, so you must be coming up to the the some of those since you mentioned the scholarship it's in its third year some of those who 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 joined you 3 years ago are are wrapping up their their university studies then. Yeah, so so we'll start to see that soon. Um it'll be I think in the next year and yeah, it's exciting. Again, it's a small program like like so much of what we do it's the cohort sizes are anywhere from like 6 to I think one year we had nine okay nine so that's it's not a massive program and again early days and hopefully it will be massive but um very excited to see what they do because obviously all of them have that catalytic effect of like they're they're one person but they're affecting many many more just by nature of who they are yeah plus i imagine if you think full circle some of that talent could end up with some of your program partners mm-hmm. that's the dream that's you're you're seeing it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing you sort of alluded to in terms of having to adapt your schedule to circumstances, how has this whole pandemic impacted you? And and I guess uh, more importantly, impacted those those program partners you have on the ground in South Africa, which I know uh, the numbers are um, are sobering in terms of um, COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean, it, in the same way, it's affected so many. It's just just been a we had our whole year mapped out. Everything was, you know, we're ready to go. And then it just, everything exploded. And um, luckily we, you know, we were prepared for a rainy day um, and it certainly has been a rainy day. And so we were able to get funds out to all of our program partners. And we're particularly proud of this, of the fact that because we have these relationships and long-term, you know, trust built up with them, we were able to deploy funds quickly and make those funds flexible for the partners so that they can really use them how, you know, they were able to use them how they saw um, the need they saw was most critical. And that looked different for all the partners. But for us, it was like, okay, we know you're going to need, you're going to need additional funds. We don't know what that looks like, but we know you're, we know you're going to use them the, the way that we would want you to use them um, and the way that we trust you to use them. And so, uh, yeah, we, we got out funds quickly that, that, you know, some of the feedback we got was like, it, it literally helped keep our doors open or mm-hmm. we got, you know, we got our volunteers food, which they, they didn't, weren't able to feed their families right now. Um, or you know, PPE for some of their community health workers. And one of the big ways also was obviously a lot of our partners um, service people living with HIV and they weren't able to access their medication. So they had to, because they weren't able to come into the clinic. So how do you help, you know, how did, how were they adjusting to be able to get those medications to the people who needed them, yeah. um, which required getting permits and, and forming teams that go out in the community. So it was just a lot of adjustments and that takes money and uh, that takes time and takes people. So, we were proud that we could be there and be part of those um, adjustments and solutions. Sure. Did the program partners sort of reach out to you as soon as things started going, uh, you know, as, as soon as things started going badly, 
or was it uh, just a fr from head office, as it were, you just took stock of the situation and wrote to your program partners and said, look, we know the situation is challenging and uh, and here's how we propose to, to engage with things. It was um, a version of the latter. So it was soon as COVID, you know, soon as we started getting a sense of what was happening in really early days, we called all of our partners and said, okay, this, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you worried about? What do you think you're going to need? Um, and just gathered as much feedback as, as we can. And that's when we realized, okay, if we sit and go through any sort of traditional process with this of like, okay, you know, you tell us your needs and we fig like figure out what the budget is and then it's going to just take too long. They need to have that money in their accounts right now to be able to move quickly. So we're like, let's at least get those funds. And then, and if there is additional needs, then they could come back to us, but at least they have something to work with from, you know, early days yeah. to, to get out the, you know, the resources. So it mm. was a lot of, it was a lot driven by us of let's be proactive and call them and get the, get this ball rolling because we need it to roll fast. Yeah. And it's still a, a, a moving target, right? I mean, everything right, right now is just unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Mm. One thing that these, um, these partners of yours are, are extremely fortunate, obviously, is having uh, the ability to to have someone like Charlize Theron amplify their, their message and what they do. I'm going to have to ask you, because a lot of people uh, approach me or just in general, I have the question, you know, a lot of people in the charity space, how does one engage with a celebrity? How does one reach out mm -hmm. and, and try to get celebrities to, to amplify their message? And um, since you're very much involved in that world, any words of wisdom to to someone who might be listening to this who thinks, yes, my charity could benefit from engaging with a celebrity? Where do I start? Yeah, I, I'm dying to hear your answer to this <laughs> also. So you're going to have to answer after well, this. Because um, I think it's, it's a tough question. I, I honestly, in my experience, I think it, it varies depending on the celebrity of who the, you know, like the, the best channel is for Charlize, for example, um, you know, if if your your cause is in alignment with what we're doing, with what CTOP is doing, with what she's invested so much of her time, her money, her efforts into, um, it makes sense to go through the foundation to try and reach out to the foundation and talk about the alignment and, and go that way. Uh, if, you know, if it doesn't, then it may be a more traditional route, but, and it, but, it, and it's a long road. I'm not going to like, you know, yeah. you're not going to lie to anybody, but like publicist agents, it's, it's about just trying to find somebody on the team that can see the connection. But I would just encourage everyone to like, know your, know your celebrity um, that you're reaching out to and make sure that it's a fit because obviously everybody's getting hit up with, you know, 101 requests every day so you know they're gonna try and filter the best they can and if it's not something that's sort of in the wheelhouse of that celebrity and like a passion point i think it's you've got a really really tough road yeah no i think that alignment is absolutely key if uh you got to do your research on the celebrities before you reach out to them is mm -hmm. the, the, the the word of wisdom that i would have here mm -hmm. in terms of uh, so let me ask you, in terms of uh, 2030, the UN Sustainable Development Goals are, are, that's the target year for the the SDGs. 
what does success look like to you guys for the next 10 years? If we're having a coffee in 2030 and looking back, what would we like to be looking back on and say, wow, we did this? Success for us is really at the community level. So it's, um, I think it's us being able to look back and say, okay, look at the work we support at the community level. Here's how we were able to help these partners prove that their models work. Here's how we were able to help them share those learnings. Here's how we are able to help them scale if they want to scale or connect them to a partner that will you know, help them scale because there's a lot larger funding out there than ours. Um, and, and I think seeing how that community level piece fits into the greater conversation of HIV work, the, HIV, the fight against HIV, um, we would love to be able to say we added value there. And also, you know, what you referred to earlier of, I think success for us would be to look back and see the change makers that we've cultivated through our scholarship program out there and doing incredible things and to be able to share those stories. And honestly, it, it might be in the HIV you know, sector. It might not. It very well might not. Mm-hmm. And that's okay for us because, you know, part of the scholarship program was we didn't restrict at all the area of study that the young leader can choose because we wanted to, we firmly believe that leaders need to come from all sectors. So we have, you know, the areas of study are quite varied already. Um, and that's great. And so I think we, we would love to be able to look back and just say like, look, we've got somebody doing work in the, you know, environmentalism mm-hmm. in Port Elizabeth, and we've got somebody, you know, just all over the country doing different type of work within their communities, but that they had these tools that, you know, like we provide the base layer for, and then they just, it was supercharged from there yeah. on out. And investing in, in young people, that's ultimately at your core. Mm, that's exactly at our core. Yeah. Wow. Very good. Very good. Any words of wisdom, any um, key takeaway, parting thought for our listeners before we wrap things up today? What's, um, what would you love them to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Ooh, um, every single thing in our lives, especially here in the U.S., feels so divided right now. And um, I think part of that, in my mind, is that we've for so long built up this, it's like these relationships of like tolerance is the uh, the standard we're shooting for of okay I don't agree with you but I can tolerate you and we need to we need to hold our bar higher mm. of we need to un- it's got to be about like this human connection and understanding and empathy and we've lost that completely we don't and I'm so guilty of this as well I, I'm not trying to say that I, d- yeah. I don't do this of course it's it's so easy and it's so easy to go to a place of anger or just like us and them and it, it it's really dangerous and I think you can see that playing out right now of like how if you let that go for so long those divides just continue to happen um, one of the things and you probably saw it if you've looked at anything CTLP we talk a lot about Ubuntu which is this mm-hmm. South African philosophy of I am because you are and I, I really I think a lot about that of, of we've lost that understanding of our interconnectedness and that we are together in this and and that could be you know 
across the world. That could be in our neighborhoods. It could be, you know, like the political divide, the geographic divide, the the race divide, anything. We've just lost that understanding of how connected we are. And I think we need to get back to that. And I don't think it's not about tolerance. It's about understanding like we truly are connected. Yeah. By the way, I I love that. I think tolerance is not good enough. We need to be more than just tolerant. And I think that's absolutely right. If you look at the definition of tolerance, it doesn't necessarily say anything about how you're going to be embracing anybody else. It just means you tolerate. Um, And I think we could do a little bit better than that. I love the fact that you're highlighting that. Um, Ashley George, Executive Director at Charlene Theron's Africa Outreach Project. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and it's always such a pleasure speaking with you. So thanks very much for making the time today. Of course. Thank you. So much fun. Excellent. And to our listeners, thank you, as always. Thank you for tuning in and for spreading the word. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better. Mm